Hello, and welcome back to Episode 3 of Aegis Therapy's PDPM Podcast, a resource dedicated to covering Aegis's approach to PDPM and discussing some of the more detailed aspects of this exciting change. I'm Hal Price, Senior Vice President for Sales, Marketing, and Communications for Aegis Therapies, and in this episode, we'll be following up with Mark Besh, Chief Clinical Officer, Bill Goulding, National Director of Outcomes and Reimbursement, and Matt Robbie, Vice President of Business Development at Aegis, to further discuss what providers can be doing to help ensure successful preparation for PDPM. Today, we'll be discussing an exercise, Start, Stop, and continue to focus on what behaviors we'll need to start doing, what can be stopped, and what should we continue as we transition to PDPM. So let's start with some of the new things that we need to think about initiating as we enter this new world. Bill, can you give us some of your, your initial thoughts, please? Sure. Uh, there are a couple that come to mind, um, and it, it also occurs to me that depending on where facilities are at in their preparation process for PDPM, some of the things that we mentioned um, they may have already started, and in which case it would be a continue. But you know, having said that, there are two that come to mind right away that I would want to start if, if they're not already doing it. One is to really focus on how they can enhance their interactions with their physicians. Um, since um, so much of PDPM is based upon uh, accurate coding in the MDS, that, um, that, that source for most of that data that's going to be coded is going to come from the physicians. And so uh, there needs to be a, a very uh, frank uh, discussion slash education with the physicians on uh, the need to get very specific ICD-10 coding um, and uh, comprehensive coding that represent the entire medical complexity picture for the residents um, in their medical history and in their current medical status. And then also to make sure the physicians are aware that uh, we're going to need them to be extremely responsive to requests for revisions and additions to the medical record as appropriate so that we can really um, get that very specific picture of the resident um, in the MDS. And then uh, I've already kind of teed up the second one that comes to mind immediately uh, relates to coding, coding, coding. Um, as I mentioned, the PDPM is is driven by um, the accuracy of the coding on the MDS. And so, for instance, for a therapy department, uh, coding means to uh, further uh, in enhance the, the accuracy and the focus on Section GG ratings. Um, and that's something that uh, nursing and others who are contributing to the GG discussion really need to be aware of uh, as well. And then uh, just more generally on the uh, MDS side, uh, there are several areas with regards to specific residents' conditions or comorbidities or complications or services that uh, may not always get captured in the present day that we need to uh, really increase our focus on and make sure that we're getting those on the record in the MDS so we give ourselves credit for the residents that we're serving. Um, those are the ones that jump to mind for me. Mark, are there, are there some that come to your mind? Yeah, you know, Bill, I think you hit some really, really important ones. I think there's several things that come to mind for me, and I think they're somewhat, uh, they're somewhat linked. So Bill just talked about coding, coding, coding. And I think, I think it's important for people to realize that when we say coding, that doesn't just mean ICD-10 codes, although that's critically important. 
It's all the other recording of information on the MDS. Now, you might find it a little bit odd that we would say that we would put this topic in the start category because obviously every provider has been completing MDSs and submitting those MDSs for years. So the start process really is to start um, ensuring that the thoroughness with which those MDSs are completed uh, really does ramp up. I think in one of our prior pod podcasts, we referenced that for RUGS payment, uh, it utilizes about, uh, about 30 or maybe a little over 30 items on the MDS. And under PDPM, the number of individual items on the MDS that that grouper looks at is well over 100. Some authors have said, has offered uh, as many as 150 plus individual items. And so when we say start and we mentioned MDS, to me, that's all about the thoroughness, the completeness, the attention to detail that's going to be important. The collaboration, Bill talked about the collaboration between therapy and the MDS coordinators, and that's in many different sections of the MDS. Um, the, that very basic ICD-10 box, if you will, or, or I-20B on the MDS, that is a, should be a topic of careful collaboration and consideration by the interdisciplinary team. So it's it, when we say, you know, pay it, start paying more attention to MDS, that's a simple statement, but it's a complex process that I think facilities really are going to need to focus on and look at exactly that, their processes. How, how do they get input from various stakeholders within the facility so that that MDS can reflect everybody's best, uh, best thinking? Those are some that come to mind for me re really related to that M MDS. And Matt, I'm sure you've got some thoughts also. Absolutely. Um, and this is actually going to link back to both of your comments. Um, when we think about um, certain components of the MDS, uh, we can target into different areas. Uh, but the, the key one is, is getting back to that physician discussion and focusing in on that I-20B, that ever critical element um, that will determine, you know, the, the, the primary reason for the SNF stay. And that may not be the same reason that the patient went into the facility um, uh, for the initial visit at the hospital. So that element could really significantly uh, drive uh, your um, potential for having an RTP, as we, as we talked about in the prior session. Uh, RTP is the return to provider. Um, and that element, unfortunately, if, if you have a circumstance where you document an ICD-10 code that is an RTP, you'll end up having a circumstance where you won't be able to get your CMIs uh, for the critical categories. Uh, and that will certainly create downstream effects uh, and problems as it relates to uh, reimbursement. And then as we think further down that, um, that I-20B component and the integration of those conversations with the physician, it really has to start before the admission uh, as that conversation is happening, back to what you were talking about, Bill, and getting that conversation out very early uh, as you're bringing that patient into the facility. So, uh, you know, when I think about that element, it is a critical aspect. And so, you know, back to you, Bill, when you, when you think about that, how would you see us engaging with the physicians on that front? Uh, um, I, I really think that it, it needs to be part discussion, part education, frankly, uh, with the physicians so that the physicians begin to understand that the information that they give the facility is going to um, 
uh, in large part drive the, faci the facility's ability to take credit for the residents that they're treating. And uh, so, as I said, it, it really needs to be uh, very specific, uh, comprehensive information. And uh, it, it may not be accomplished on that first pass, uh, you know, upon the admission, but it needs to be as prompt and, and comprehensive as, as possible. I, I think a, a, another thing that uh, just from my own outcomes background that, that comes to mind is um, we've got this new interim payment assessment and, and uh, that is, uh, many times it's going to be triggered by a change in function and the, um, uh, the, the change in function is going to be driven by section GG scores. And so there are discussions that uh, really can begin to take place now in the in interdisciplinary team meetings uh, to begin to start uh, saying, uh, are we seeing changes in section GG scoring in, in, in other words, in functional levels in the residents? And if we were under PDPM right now, is that something that might cause us to uh, trigger a potential interim payment assessment or, or, or an IPA? Keeping in mind that um, uh, uh, an increase in function for PT and OT may be increasing the case mix index while at the same time decreasing the case mix index for nursing. And so it really does need to be a collaborative discussion. Mark, what am I forgetting? You know, Bill, a couple of thoughts that come to mind for me in terms of the start, and you did a great job teeing up at the beginning of our conversation around depending upon where a certain uh, organization or provider is in the preparation, it might be start or it might be continue. But since we represent the therapy component or as a provider, uh, I think uh, a start for a lot of people is to make sure that in the absence of rug groups and thus in the absence of these minute uh, thresholds that some therapists have become somewhat dependent on as they think about treatment planning and development of their care plans is to make sure that those therapists have a foundation upon which to make the clinical decisions about frequency and intensity uh, of their interactions with their patients because those are somewhat artificial now or they will be guardrails or, or thresholds are, are going to be going away. So what comes to mind are things like pathways, clinical pathways that, ha that are evidence-based and can suggest uh, appropriate intervention uh, thresholds, uh, intensities, and durations. In other words, a, a some level of foundation upon which therapists can make those clinical decisions that they'll be uh, they'll be determining. Um, in terms of of the way therapists interact with patients, there's been you know some enhanced focus on on alternative delivery modes. In other words, something other than the traditional one-to-one -one individual therapy. So the consideration of group therapy or concurrent therapy, and again, a realization that for many therapists, uh, they may not have practiced uh, in, a, uh, in an environment where those modes were encouraged or very uh, seen as very uh, um, available, and that may change for them under uh, PDPN. And so again, the degree to which we can provide information, uh, for provide um, details and, and the evidence behind the relevance and effectiveness of those kinds of uh, delivery modes with particular types of patients, I think will position the therapist to feel better about uh, 
making those clinical determinations and, and clinical judgments. Matt, other thoughts from you? Yeah, and, and I think it gets down to, you know, a, a big discussion, you know, as we think about the future is getting into some of the key metrics and, and how we measure success in, in the new world. You know, in the past, uh, success was largely driven by, you know, meeting the minute thresholds uh, associated with rugs um, and focusing on, you know, the functional needs of the patient. Uh, but but those those metrics really um, have changed uh, and because that success factor has a lot of new components. The GG uh, elements uh, have expanded over the years, and, and while um, they didn't necessarily drive payment in the past, they now help determine the case indices. Uh, which are going to be critical elements for ensuring we're compensated fairly for the for the types of patients we're treating. Uh, so the emphasis on those goes goes really really high, and how that impacts the IPA and other components associated with uh, the patient, uh, as was uh, discussed uh, previously, um, has to be monitored. And we have to ensure that we have routine touch points uh, throughout the stay of the patient to ensure we're, we're uh, documenting completely and thoroughly um, as part of that process. And in addition to that, that whole discussion as it relates to pricing, um, as we look at our current pricing in our contracts uh, for uh, the different services rendered in, in contract rehab or uh, other elements, if they're reliant on rug-based methodologies, uh, those are going to need to be changed. Uh, so we need to have uh, pricing discussions uh, with uh, anyone that is using rug-based methodology, and that may include uh, state Medicaid programs, as we learned, um, you know, late last year from uh, some CMS updates. You know, states that are utilizing rug methodology have until 2020 to replace it with something else, and that was a little bit of a bombshell that kind of was dropped on us, um, you know, as part of that process. So. Ongoing discussions um, on pricing with uh, your your uh, contracted relationships with HMOs, if they're rug-based states, um, as well as with your contract uh, therapy partners. All right. So a lot of uh, things to think about as we get started moving into the world of PDPM. Uh, long list and appreciate the detail on each of those items. Uh, what are some of the things that, that we actually have been doing, though, that we can cease doing uh, as we make the transition? Mark, maybe you can start with that. Sure. Yeah, I think Hal, the first observation I would make, and you just highlighted it, is that was a long list of things to, to start doing and start thinking about uh, differently, and probably not uh, an all-inclusive list. So if we think about what can we stop doing, and if we had our audience in front of us today in a classroom-type setting, and, and we said, so what can we stop doing? There'd probably be two or three things that come immediately to mind for almost everybody in the room, and that would be we can stop paying attention to therapy minutes. Um, and I think the context there would be that um, universally there's a, a lot of attention on a literally a day-to-day -day basis being paid to the delivery of the therapy minutes because, as everybody knows, under RUGS 4, it's so heavily dependent on the delivery of therapy minutes, driving payment. And that goes away under, under PDPM. So that heavy emphasis on minute focus or minute management. Um, doesn't mean we don't have to track minutes because, of course, we still have to report them uh, at discharge. But I think that that heavy, heavy emphasis on, on minute, minute management, most people um, would see as a relief. After that obvious one, I think there's a, there's a few others. So other things related to rugs um, and categories because, of course, those uh, go away. But I think the, the list begins to 
tail off pretty substantially um, after those. I'm sure Bill or Matt, you guys probably have thoughts on a few other a few other things that folks might consider stopping. Bill, we'll let you go first. Well, yeah, I, I I know one of the things again I think of um, in where Section GG is leading us uh, from an ADL standpoint. We're shifting from uh, our current world of just looking at Section G, which focuses on these late loss ADLs, um, and we really need to stop our n fairly narrow focus on late loss ADLs. And uh, it leads us to a, a start or a continue, and that is to focus on a more broad ADL picture, not just the late loss ADLs, but the, the, the early loss ADLs, uh, much more appropriate for a uh, post-acute care uh, resident. And so I think that leads to um, perhaps some different discussions um, and, uh, and different forms of documentation. Uh, but I agree with you. I think the, the stop list is fairly short. Uh, Matt, are we missing anything that you can think of? Well, it's, it's a really short list. Um, you know, I think we've hit the nail on the head. Minute management, um, you know, uh, obviously the, the therapy driving the discussions and the guardrails affiliated with drug methodology and being replaced with a new discussion, as, as Mark, you were talking about before, talking about, you know, how do we come up with care pathways to outline how those uh, elements um, are going to be utilized as far as, you know, care delivery within the therapy department and, and the collaboration. Those are things that start, but, you know, the stop list just kind of ends there. Uh, one of the things that, that may be obvious to folks is, um, and maybe it's so obvious we, we didn't even think about it right away, is, is all those extra assessments um, because CMS has streamlined the, the number of required uh, assessments. So, so all those scheduled assessments that we that we do five day, fourteen day, thirty day, et cetera, and then the the, uh, the change of therapy and the start of therapy. So fewer assessments definitely, or stop doing as many. Um, and then I think as I've had some conversation with folks related to to this, one of the things that comes up, the uh, comment back is, well, I guess we therapy won't be driving the decisions anymore. Uh, and that's, I think, a reference to the, the, the reduced focus on, on therapy minutes and therapy thresholds. So I think those are the big items. But again, as we've all concluded, it's, it's a pretty short list. Well, then that sets up the, uh, the last list that we're going to talk about today, and that would be what are some of the things that we have been doing over the past years to go and ensure the care was delivered properly and documented properly that we will need to continue in the new environment? Matt, can you start with that? Absolutely. The, the, the list of continue is, is equally as long as the start. Um, as we think about the very core elements of what we have to continue doing, it's taking care of the patient first and foremost. Uh, the patient needs, you know, before 10-1, uh, when PDPM goes into place, are the same needs as patients after 10-1. So we really have to ensure that we keep that patient as the core reason for what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and emphasize now that they are center stage in the entire conversation and that the elements associated with um, PDPM are really helping to enforce you know, looking at the patient outcomes and, and driving some key decisions. And so when we think about the care delivery process, it, it really gets into, you know, the onboarding of the patient from the pre-admission process, um, you know, gathering the GG performance that continues on, and then specific goals associated with the patient, um, you know, setting those very, very early on admission. Then it continues on through the, the stay um, and making sure that we have an IDP process, uh, interdisciplinary team, 
and, and the discussions, however, are going to be emphasized uh, and enhanced, um, but they still continue on. So we'll pull more, more practitioners into the discussion, uh, ensure that we have um, collaboration amongst many more care team participants, uh, but the process in general will continue. And, and that kind of leads me back to you, Mark, when, when you were talking about, you know, the, pulling in that, that closer collaboration. You know, what are your, your thoughts on how, how we could uh, better do some of those things with, you know, care management or other cross-setting focuses? Yeah, definitely, uh, Matt. You know, I think those are great examples of things that are occurring today and would be really, really important for them to continue to occur. So the case conferences, the interdisciplinary team discussions and planning around each individual patients, thinking about the discharge destinations and, and potentials, um, thinking about what's going to be important in terms of transitioning that care, whether it's to another unit uh, within a facility or perhaps more often to the next uh, setting of care. So that, that careful managing uh, of the resident um, that we're doing today, but I think uh, even regardless of PDPM, uh, and we're going to see an increased emphasis on the effectiveness of that um, cross-setting focus, if you will. So how do we, uh, when, when a patient is going to be discharged from a skilled nursing facility, what are the obligations to uh, tee that up optimally in terms of, does the patient know what to do if they have questions? Do they know who to call? Um, are we advising them uh, who to call and maybe... The first step is not a trip to the emergency department uh, or back to the hospital, but rather presenting them with options and educating them as to what they can do for themselves um, to know their situation and what uh, some appropriate responses might be. So those are those are things that come to mind for me. How about you? you know, it's, it's funny. That you, yeah, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that. I was going to uh, ask Bill if you could kind of give us your guardrail. Uh, analogy, you know, the, the whole uh, conversation about, you know, having the destination in mind. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, we've said several times that we're, we don't need to focus on minute management. That was one of the few things on the, on the stop list. Um, but we still want to track our minutes. Um, the minute management that we do now is, is really similar to driving on the highway and being told you can't change lanes because this is the lane you're in. This is, you should supply this number of minutes every single day and taking that clinical decision-making away from the therapist in essence. We wanna track the minutes, but just for a different reason now. So we continue tracking the minutes, but we do it uh, as part of our clinical decision-making process. And so you can decide, um, you know, just to, to keep the driving analogy, do I, do I need to speed up, uh, supply more minutes? Do I need to change lanes? and supply minutes via, uh, as Mark said, concurrent or a group model. Overall, keeping that final destination in mind. We have, we have chosen a discharge level of function that's necessary. We've chosen perhaps a discharge setting, and we've chosen the amount of time it takes us to get there. And so we, we want to continue doing some of the things we're doing now, but, but for some different reasons. And so, as I said before, it leads to uh, these uh, care conferences or these interdisciplinary meetings, whatever they're called in your facility, um, still occurring, still continuing, but uh, very different di discussion, not just about, as Mark said earlier, the number of minutes that are delivered, but uh, more patient-centered discussion. And, uh, and really, in the end, uh, focusing more on the patient as, as customer. Um, uh, 
remember PDPM was uh, driven initially by uh, CMS's triple aim, and part of that is the patient experience. And uh, so we need to continue and even enhance this focus on the, the patient as, as a customer, making sure we understand their goals and uh, that they understand how we want to go about partnering with them to achieve those goals. All right. So, Mark, Bill, Matt, I want to thank each of you for your time today. We really appreciate the insights as we talked about uh, what areas we will be starting new behaviors, where we can stop uh, certain aspects of how we deliver uh, services today, and what what will we continue going forward. So, uh, welcome, everybody, to join us on our next uh podcast, we'll be talking about uh, the MDS and the increased emphasis on collaboration that's going to be required and mandatory between nursing, rehab, and MDS coordinators. Thanks again for your time and looking forward to uh, catching you on the next podcast. Good day.